G'day guys, welcome back to the No Name Podcast everybody. Today's the 2nd of June, it's a, uh, it's, it's a Tuesday uh, in Melbourne town, it's a bit cold today, uh, classic sort of winter winter's day here, but um, looking forward to, I hope everyone's had a good day, I'm looking forward to just talking a little bit about um, some events on this day in sport and uh, talking, just elaborating a bit on those. So kick us off tonight um, with, with some sporting events and then I'll go into some birthdays as well. Uh, a bit later on, but yeah, on this day in 1935, the great man Babe Ruth, uh, at age 40, announced he was retirement as a player from the Yankees. Uh, stayed on as manager, so he was he was an absolute colossus of uh, of, of baseball um, in their 20s and 30s, and uh, even in their 10s as well in the teens. So he was he was a, an absolute star. Was Babe Ruth? Uh, on this day, 1935, actually, the French Championships uh, were played at Wimbledon as well, and uh, the Englishman Fred, Fred Perry, the man who's uh, he's got the brand named after him, the, the sort of the leisure wear tennis brand, he uh, he beats Gottfried von Kramp, von Kramp of Germany 6-3-3-6-6-1-6-3 in the final. That's his only uh, title at the French Championships, which is now known as the French Open. Um, just having a look on this day, 1962, um, French Open as well, French Championships. Uh, the All-Australian Final, Roy Emerson plays Rod Laver and, and uh, Robert Rod beats him 3-6-2-6-6-3-9-7-6-2. So he comes back from two, two sets of love down. And um, yeah, that was the uh, the second leg of, of the uh, the Grand Slam that, that Laver achieved that year. So he won all four major titles. And uh, on the same day, Margaret Smith, who's now known as Margaret Court, for, uh, 58 years ago today beats uh, beats the Australian Leslie Turner 6-3-3-6-7-5. So a very interesting one that one that's for sure. Um, the 1971 European Cup Finals actually played on this day and it's a it's a memorable day. Uh, for Ajax of Amsterdam they win their they win the uh, the European Cup 2-0 against Panathinaikos uh, which is the Greek side at Wembley. Uh, and uh, as I said I think I've mentioned this before Dick Van Dyke and Ari Hahn score. For Ajax, led by the great Rinas Michels, and uh, Johan Cruyff was in that side. Um, the Banathnakos side, which is uh, as far as any Greek side has gone uh, before or since, uh, reaching the final that year, uh, they were coached by the legendary Ferenc Puskas, um, who ended up at South Melbourne, the great man. So, yeah, um, just having a look here, 1973 on this day, the French Open, uh, the women's final was played between... Uh, Chris Evert and Margaret Court and Margaret Court beat her for a fifth and last uh, French Open title uh, so well done to, to Margaret Court but yeah the June sort of period's a bit quieter um, for, for sporting uh, sporting events and matches and and so forth so just having a look here at other, other significant effect, uh, effects on this day um, on this day 1979 the great man John Paul II becomes the first Pontiff uh, Pope to visit a communist country. That was Poland. That was where, where he was from. Uh, so that was his country of birth, and, and he visited there. Um, Dead Poet Society actually, nineteen eighty nine uh, premieres, starring Robin Williams. Um, a, a really interesting, uh, really interesting movie. I haven't seen it myself, but I've seen that um, that scene where he's talking to the students, KTM guy, and sees the day, and um, that's an absolutely ripping scene. That's for sure. Um, on this day in 89 as well, the big day, um, the, the goddess of democracy. So 10,000 Chinese soldiers are blocked by 100,000 citizens in Tiananmen Square, Beijing, uh, protecting uh, students demonstrating for democracy. So, 
here we are 31 years later and um, don't know if we get the same sort of pro-democratic uh, view from a lot of people, but that's what the students uh, in China were fighting for. So so good on them. I mean, freedom isn't free and, and democracy is uh, extremely important. So we have to fight for it, uh, that's for sure. So if we can do all we can and, um, and, and they're were, they were incredible people. Now, oh, I love that. I actually love this. I actually love this. I'll do an episode on it. A bit later on when I finish the show, but on this day in 2002, The Wire, created by David Simon, starring Idris Ilba and Dominic West debuts on HBO. So The Wire is this awesome five-series TV show, which at the time apparently it wasn't very well received. Like I think people just watched it on HBO and it was just like, oh, this is another um, series. But it basically um, has five series where it relates. Um, I guess sort of transpires and it adds new layers in each series um, about the city of Baltimore and it's the people and the connection with the city of Baltimore um, and a lot of it does relate about the, the drug trade um, and the drug, I guess the the, the the sort of the crimes that are involved uh, about drugs and alcohol. I find it, it's actually one of the most interesting and engaging TV shows because it's not like there's, I think the Sopranos has sort of kicked it off where, you know, no episode is not important. Um, whereas in the in the wire, basically, every scene is important. Every scene paints something. Um, and it's it's a fascinating, fascinating TV show, but it's also probably the most realistic and, and sort of gruesome one you can sort of see in some of the stuff um there is just yeah, it's it's not great. Um but Unfortunately, um, that's what happens, but it's a, it's a great TV show. I'd recommend anyone isolation, go and watch it. Um, coming out of it now, slowly but surely, but yeah, I'd recommend someone, anyone go and watch it if they wanted to. Um, on this day in 2015, Sepp Blatter, um, the crook, announces his resignation five days after his re-election amid FIFA's involvement in a bribery scandal. Um, there's not many people in the world, I think, who are, who, are, who could say that they're probably more corrupt uh, to their bone than Sepp Blatter um, and FIFA. Maybe Michelle Platini might be up there, but, yeah, it's not not great. Um, FIFA is basically under Blatter's reign became this sort of behemoth of um, trying, to, trying to win or trying to influence uh, where World Cups are held based on uh, money that was going back to the executive. And kickbacks, and I don't think that's how soccer was uh, initially brought out to be. But I'll I'll uh, I'll pass there now. Go to some birthdays. So on this day in 1940, there was a birth of a man who was called uh, Constantine II, um, who reigned, or King Constantine II, who reigned as King of Greece from 1964 until the abolition of the monarchy in 1973. There was a military daughter, um, and he's now in exile in London. But the king. So the king, King Constantine, he's actually very, uh, he's a very interesting man, actually, um, I've, I've got to say. He's he's one of these, um, he's probably the, the most sort of, I guess, the most, most strange in terms of a way. Like, a, he's a bit peculiar. No one really knows a lot about him. Like, for example, there's, there's a lot of very interesting things about him. Uh he is actually an Olympic gold medalist. So there aren't that many royal family members. I don't think, I would think he might be the only member of any royal family. I'm not sure how um, how, how sure I am of this, but um, look, he's the only, uh, he's definitely the only Greek royal that's, uh, that's won a modern day Olympic gold medal. So he won it in the dragon class sailing. 
Um, he was 20 in the 1960 Roma Olympics when he won that. And it's actually quite interesting. He was sort of says here, I'm just reading a bit about him, that he was quite a strong swimmer. Um, and he was he was actually uh, he was actually pretty good at squash and um, and track events as well in his youth. So he, he I, I guess a bit of background about him is he becomes a king at the age of 23 in March 1964 after his father King Paul dies of uh, dies of cancer. Um, so it's kind of um, I guess it's, it's 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 very strange. So you kind of get a very young uh, king coming into the into the uh, into the into the uh, into the I guess the 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 well, I guess the monarchy basically um, where he's reigning and then I think it's just a very unstable time in Greece um, in the 60s and then basically in the 67 the military come in and decide that they don't give a shit anymore and um, yeah they've have basically decided that they're going to uh, stage a military jaunter and uh, take a coup over the government. So that's what they did. And then in '74, it was kind of uh, it was kind of legitimised, and um, the king, I guess, uh, the king went on his merry way, uh, and that and that was it. So yeah, he's been in exile ever since. So Greece basically voted in favour of a republic at the '74 election, and. Um, yeah, he was basically told, don't ever come back to Greece. Um, and and that was it. So I think his mother, his mother actually, um, when, when she died, he came back in the early 80s, but that's about it. Uh, and I don't think, don't think there's been, there's been a lot of contact between him and, and Greece in general since then. And he was living in London for a fair while. I know he's quite close with, uh, with Prince Charles, um, I might add. So very uh i guess interesting interesting uh interesting from that point of view um but yeah just having a look at this it's actually funny there's this weird obsession i think i might have mentioned it before that grace has this weird obsession where most of his politicians are all related um all sons of or nephews and stuff so it's like the prime minister's names like karamalis mitsotakis Papadreou. like there's two generations of these um these families that have been <laughs> they've literally been uh, the Prime Minister of Greece. That's a bit... Uh, I guess it's a bit different um, to most other countries. It's a democracy in a sense, but it seems as though the, the main ruling parties are, or the main ruling families are all very closely tied together, even though they're from different political um, equations and persuasions. But and that's, that's, I guess, kind of what happens. But, uh, yeah, I'm just sort of reading a bit more about... Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's very interesting to have a look at. Um, I mean, his later life, the monarchies that, uh, that he kind of um, he kind of is in exile and he lives in, lives in London for a fair while. Um, he, was a, he was a close friend um, of his second cousin, actually, Prince Charles. Um, he was a godfather uh, to Prince William as well, so Prince William, the Duke of Cambridge. Um, which is quite interesting, but yeah, I don't think there's uh, uh, there's a lot of a lot of love lost. He was on the IOC um, committee in two thousand and four for a period of time, just before Greece held the Olympics. But yeah, it's it's quite uh, it's quite interesting. I think most uh, most articles that were sort of published around that time in Greece 
don't don't actually uh, don't actually want a constitutional monarchy. They want a republic. I think there's only about twelve percent that, that favour it. I know that people like Michael Bull. Um, he's a very big uh, believer in it, and, and he wants to see the monarchy return. Uh, but unfortunately, that's what uh, that's what happens. So yeah, that's I guess uh, that, that's just that's just how the cookie crumbles. Um, he was he was in Corfu for a while in the mid sixties, um, where Prince Philip was born. He actually lived in Mondrapot, which is uh, which is actually where Prince Philip was born and raised. Um, but yeah. Um, he uses he he still uses the title King Constantine of Greece, which is uh, quite quite interesting. And yeah, he's got all these honors and things in in different different countries. His wife's Danish, so there's a few Danish ones in there. But yeah, he's uh, he's an interesting character, the the King of Greece or the exiled King of Greece. Um, but he he celebrates his birth at eighty years old, Olympic, Olympic gold medalist and a king. That's um. It's a pretty pretty interesting sort of buy there, that's for sure. Um, having a look on this day in 1957, so he will be turning 63 today, is Mark Lawrenson. Mark Lawrenson was a uh, right back and a centre back for Liverpool, predominantly, um, and Brighton and Hove Albion before that in the 80s and 70s. Uh, he also played for the Republic of Ireland, 39 matches for five goals. Um, he's sort of known in my uh, my vintage as a uh, football pundit. Um, and a football commentator, and he used to, pretty sure he used to do the commentary on FIFA, sort of, I remember, like, maybe early 2000s, potentially, like, 2001, that's when I sort of first started playing, I reckon, he was, uh, he was the guy that used to produce, um, do the special comments on that, um, so that's, yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's Mark Lawrence, and, uh, that's what he does, and he's, he's in, actually included in 100 players who shook the cop, uh, and that's, that was sort of one of his uh, claims to fame. But yeah, Mark Lawrenson, happy birthday, 63. Um, two brothers today turned 55. Uh, Mark War and Steve War, the War Twins, absolute legends of Australian cricket, both of them. Uh, Mark War, an absolute star, 128 test matches, average of 41.81, top score of 153, not out. An absolutely effortless batsman, batted beautifully, had an absolutely beautiful cover drive. Um, you, couldn't, you couldn't want anything more. Uh, than than that from from Junior War, uh, member of the 1990-1999 World Cup winning side, uh, along with his brother Steve, who was the captain of that side, who also celebrates his birthday on this day uh, as well, because they're they're twin brothers. Uh, yes, uh, the War brothers being twins. Um, Steve was also born on this day. Steve War, terrific cricketer, uh, Test matches. 168 test matches, 10,927 runs, 51.06 batting average. Um, interestingly enough, his top score of 200, 32,000s, 50 uh, half centuries. Um, basically, Steve Waugh, early on his career, was an all-rounder. He had uh, his best figures of 5 to 28, uh, took 92 test match wickets. Um, it's actually interesting, early on, Steve Waugh basically only kept his spot on the test site uh, for four years because he could bowl a bit. Uh, he wasn't the world's... He was a good batsman, but he wasn't actually doing that much. Um, and then 1989, he went to the Ashes. Uh, first test match, he, he hits his first century and um, sets up Australia for a great unexpected win. And then we ended up holding at the Ashes for uh, another 16 years until 2005. Um, and then I guess he's part of the uh, the Australian side 
as well, who uh, plays in the 1987 Cricket World Cup. Uh, we managed to win our first World Cup there in India uh, in sort of difficult circumstances. I'd love to actually see footage of uh, the 1987 World Cup final. Um, I've never actually seen proper footage. I can't find it on, I really, I haven't been able to find it on YouTube or anything. And here I go, the final, 1987, uh, the great man, Robber Linda 2, aka Rob Moody. Of course, he's got it on there. So I might tune into a bit of that later on. But yeah, I, I've actually never seen footage of the game before. I know that that was the last Cricket World Cup where they actually wore white uh, instead of coloured clothing which is, I guess, another thing at the time. Obviously, the establishment didn't like the fact that tobacco had bought in coloured clothing were on pyjamas. Um, and then in 1999, Steve Waugh leads the Australian side to uh, their second World Cup trophy uh, in England. Uh, I believe that was against uh, was against Pakistan in the final. Uh, one of the great matches as well in the, the 1999 semi-final against South Africa. Just one of the most topsy-turvy games you'll ever see uh, in your entire life, and I'd recommend going and having a view of those highlights as well. Uh, just having a look here, uh, oh, just here, um, another cricket birthday today uh, is Angelo Matthews, he's 33. He's a, a big hitting, powerful uh, West, uh, Sri Lankan all-rounder, uh, played 86 test matches, top score of 200, averages 45 with the, uh, with the bat, um, bowls a bit as well. He's taken 33 wickets in test matches, probably more a batsman these days, um, but he, he's a quite, quite a uh, decent bowler as well um on this day 1989 so he turns 31 today is the great freddie adu freddie adu was this like freak kid who burst onto the scene when he was like 14 or 15 playing in the mls um i think he signed his first professional deal at 14 uh, which is pretty cool right uh but unfortunately he never really kicked on i think he went to he was actually in benfica for a bit um for a few years but yeah he never really kicked on came back to america he was one of those players, um, the way I look at it, he was one of those like, football manager players you signed. You wanted to sign him was 14 15 because you knew he was going to be an absolute star in the future. Um, but unfortunately, he never really uh, he never really kicked on, unfortunately. And that's that's kind of just that's kind of just what happens in life sometimes. Um, also, another soccer player, 27 years old today, is Adam Taggart. Uh, he's a Perth boy. He's playing Suwong Blue Wings, Suwong Samsung Blue Wings over there in Korea. Uh, he scored, I think last season, he scored 20 goals in the Korean League in 33 games. He was the uh, the golden boot over there. He's a terrific player, actually. Um, very, very much, very mercurial player. I'd say he's probably, uh, he's probably one of these players who is a bit too good for the A-League um, and, and shouldn't really come back, but he seems to sort of, he seems to have sort of come back and forth between Perth Glory and, and he was at Newcastle Jets for a little bit as well. Um, but he's played 11 games for Australia and scored six goals. So he's actually quite a prodigious talent, um, Adam Taggart, I'd say. And I'd, I'd actually like to see him play more for the Socceroos. He's been in a really good goal-scoring vein uh, recently as well, which is which is, uh, which is is good for him. So he turns uh, 27 today. Uh, also 21 years old today, 21st birthday to Campbell Graham, who plays the South Sydney Rabbitohs, the mighty South Sydney. Uh, he's probably one of the best outside backs in the NRL. Um, that's all I have for the potty today. I'm actually going to sink my teeth into this 1987 Cricket World Cup final. I'd love to see some footage, uh, a bit more footage of it. It's actually one of these like crappy games where, unfortunately, looks like I think it was played in Kolkata. Um, but just having a look at it now, it's brilliant because I've seen Booney, just David Boone, with a big mullet at the back and in his moustache. Um, 
absolutely spanking one for four, which is fantastic. But it looks as though uh, looks as though it's the real ABC style commentary where they've got you know one camera behind one end of the stump, so I'm just looking at Booney's uh, Booney's big gut and his backside. Unfortunately, for a fair bit of it, and he's just hit another cracking cut shot on these highlights. So well done, well done to Booney, the great man. Um, it's actually weird. I've never seen I've never seen this before. They actually had a rope. Um, in 1987 as the boundary, which is quite strange. It normally wasn't that way, but yeah, it's very funny just looking at the scores now in this. Booney was 20 off 26, and Jeff Marsh, 9 off 27. It was like the classic thing, because Jeff Marsh was this guy that was very, very slow in how he batted. He was never a um, never a sort of a fast hitter. I think Jeff Marsh actually held the record of never making a never making one day international ton for Australia, I believe, potentially. Oh no, he did he no, he did make nine. Um, don't know why I thought that. But uh yeah, he was a that's Mitch Marsh and Sean Marsh's dad. Um but yeah, Jeff aka Swampy wasn't wasn't particularly known as the uh the sort of bloke that was the most uh, exciting cricketer to watch uh, from entertainment point of view. He definitely did occupy the crease for for a fairly long time. Um, sort of in a way, a similar sort of way to, to how Sean plays his cricket, occupies the crease, doesn't doesn't give too much away uh, from that point of view. But yeah, having a look at this, it'd be great to see baggy greens back. Like I love the fact that they're wearing, they're playing in a one day international and they're wearing baggy greens, you know, batting out, batting out there. It looks like it's about 45 degrees. Um, don't know how the English survived in this this particular match in the final. In India, but they they somehow did, um, and then I think just just from memory, I'm just trying to have a look at the uh, trying to look at the scores here to see what they were. So the Australians in that final made a grand total of 253 for five of 50 overs. So Booney made 75, uh, Marsh made 24, Dean Jones made 33, Craig McDermott. Don't know why Craig McDermott. Went out and batted then. Um, what, what, night watchman on a one day, especially in World Cup final? What the hell? Um, made 14. Uh, Alan Border run out for 31. And then Mike, Mike Valletta came in at the end and hit 45. Um, and Steve Wall was also not out on five runs. The other players that played in that match were Simon O'Donnell, uh, Dyer, I think it was Wayne, Wayne Dyer, uh, the, the Australian. Oh, no, Greg Dyer, sorry, Greg Dyer. And uh, after it was Greg Dyer was. Uh, was Tim May and Bruce Reed, aka the Beanpole. Um, so I'm just having a look now at the. I think it went down. I think it actually went down the last couple of balls in this match. Um, and Australia won the World Cup final, which is pretty cool because we'd never won it before. In the previous few, and uh, yeah, just having a look, the English made 246 for eight. Uh, so their top score was Athi with 58, Gooch made 35, Gaddy and Lamb made 41 and 45 each. Uh, Steve Wall with seven t uh, with a with a couple of wickets. Uh, Alan Border with a wicket, Craig McDermott and Simon O'Donnell, the great Simon O'Donnell with a wicket as well. So that was the Australian 1987 World Cup side. So I'll watch a bit of that and I uh, hope everyone's had a good night and uh, take care of yourselves and I uh, hope you enjoy the No Name podcast and tune in. Hopefully I'll have a special guest with me tomorrow. So thanks a lot, guys, and 